0: Section 8 of the Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan The Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3 by edgar allan poe narrative of a Gordon pym chapter eight as i viewed myself in a fragment of looking-glass which hung up in the cabin and by the dim light of a kind of battle lantern i was so impressed with a sense of back awe at my appearance and at the recollection of the terrific reality which i was thus representing that i was seized with a violent tremor and could scarcely summon resolution to go on with my part it was necessary however to act with decision and peters and myself went upon deck we there found everything safe and keeping close to the bulwarks the three of us crept to the cabin companionway it was only partially closed precautions having been taken to prevent its being suddenly pushed to from without by means of placing billets of wood on the upper step so as to interfere with the shutting we found no difficulty in getting a full view of the interior of the cabin through the cracks where the hinges were placed it now proved to have been very fortunate for us that we had not attempted to take them by surprise for they were evidently on the alert only one was asleep and he lying just at the foot of the companion ladder with a musket by his side the rest were seated on several mattresses which had been taken from the birds and thrown on the floor they were engaged in earnest conversation and although they had been carousing as appeared from two empty jugs with some thin tumblers which lay about they were not as much intoxicated as usual all had knives one or two of them pistols and a great many muskets were lying in a berth close at hand we listened to their conversation for some time before we could make up our minds how to act, having as yet resolved on nothing determinate, except that we would attempt to paralyze their exertions when we should attack them, by means of the apparition of Rogers. They were discussing their piratical plans, in which all we could hear distinctly was that they would unite with the crew of a schooner hornet, and if possible get the schooner herself into their possession preparatory to some attempt on a large scale the particulars of which could not be made out by either of us one of the men spoke of peter's when the mate replied to him in a low voice which could not be distinguished and afterward added more loudly that he could not understand his being so much forward with the captain's brat in the forecastle and he thought the sooner both of them were overboard the better to this no answer was made but we could easily perceive that the hint was well received by the whole party and more particularly by Jones. at this period i was excessively agitated the more so as I could see that neither Augustus nor Peters could determine how to act, I made up my mind, however, to self my life as dearly as possible and not to suffer myself to be overcome by any feelings of trepidation. The tremendous noise made by the roaring of the wind in the rigging and the washing of the sea over the deck prevented us from hearing. What was said, except during momentary lulls, in one of these we all distinctly heard the mate tell one of the men to go forward, have an eye upon them, for he wanted not such secret doings on board the brig. It was well for us that the pitching of the vessel at this moment was so violent as to prevent this order from being carried into instant execution. The cook got up from his mattress to go for us when a tremendous lurch which i thought would carry away the masts threw him headlong against one of the larboard stateroom doors bursting it open and creating a good deal of other confusion luckily neither of our party was thrown from his position and we had time to make a precipitate retreat to the forecastle and arranged a hurried plan of action before the messenger made his appearance or rather before he put his head out of the companion-hatch for he did not come on deck from this station he could not notice the absence of allan and he accordingly bowed out as if to him repeating the orders of the mate peters cried out ay in a disguised voice and the cook immediately went below without entertaining a suspicion that all was not right my two companions now proceeded boldly aft and down into the cabin peters closing the door after him in the same manner he had found it the mate received them with feigned cordiality and told augustus that since he had behaved himself so well of late he might take up his quarters in the cabin and be one of them for the future he then poured him out a tumbler half full of rum and made him drink it all this i saw and heard for i followed my friends to the cabin as soon as the door was shut and took up my old point of observation i had brought with me the two pump-handles one of which i secured near the companionway, to be ready for use when required i now steadied myself as well as possible so as to have a good view of all what was passing within and endeavoured to nerve myself to the task of descending among the mutineers when Peter should make the signal to me as agreed upon. Presently he contrived to turn the conversation upon the bloody deeds of the mutiny, and by degrees led the men to talk of the thousand superstitions which are so universally current among seamen. I could not make out all that was said, but I could plainly see the effects of the conversation in the countenance of those present the mate was evidently much agitated and presently when some one mentioned the terrific appearance of roger's corpse i thought he was upon the point of swooning peters now asked him if he did not think it would be better to have the body thrown overboard at once as it was too horrible a sight to see it floundering about in the scuppers at this the villain absolutely gasped for breath and turned his head slowly round upon his companions as if imploring someone to go up and perform the task no one however stirred as it was quite evident that the whole party were wound up to the highest pitch of nervous excitement peters now made me the signal i immediately threw open the door of the companion-way and descending without uttering a syllable stood erect in the midst of the party the intense effect produced by this sudden apparition is not at all to be wondered at when the various circumstances are taken into consideration usually in cases of a similar nature there is left in the mind of the spectator some glimmering of doubt as to the reality of the vision before his eyes a degree of hope however feeble that he is the victim of chicanery and that the apparition is not actually a visitant from the old world of shadows it is not too much to say that such remnants of doubt have been at the bottom of almost every such visitation and that the appalling horror which has sometimes been brought about is to be attributed even in the cases most in point and where most suffering has been experienced more to a kind of anticipative horror lest the apparition might possibly be real than to an unwavering belief in its reality but in the present instance it will be seen immediately that in the minds of the mutineers there was not even the shadow of a basis upon which to rest a doubt that the apparition of rogers was indeed a revivification of his disgusting corpse or at least its spiritual image the isolated situation of the brig with its entire inaccessibility on account of the gale, confined the apparently possible means of deception within such narrow and definite limits that they must have thought themselves enabled to survey them all at a glance. They had now been at sea twenty four days without holding more than a speaking communication with any vessel whatever. The whole of the crew, too, at least all of whom they had the most remote reason for suspecting to be on board were assembled in the cabin with the exception of allen the watch and his gigantic stature he was six feet six inches high was too familiar in their eyes to permit the notion that he was the apparition before them to enter their minds even for an instant add to these considerations the awe-inspiring nature of the tempest and that of the conversation brought about by peters the deep impression which the loathsomeness of the actual corpse had made in the morning upon the imaginations of the men the excellence of the imitation in my person and the uncertain and wavering light in which they beheld me as the glare of the cabin lantern swinging violently to and from fell dubiously and fearfully upon my figure and there will be no reason to wonder that the deception had even more than the entire effect which we had anticipated the mate sprang up from the mattress on which he was lying and without uttering a syllable fell back stone dead upon the cabin floor and was hurled to the leeward like a log by a heavy roll of the rig of the remaining seven there were but three who had at first any degree of presence of mind the four others sat for some time rooted apparently to the floor the most pitiable objects of horror and utter despair my eyes ever encountered the only opposition we experienced at all was from the cook john Hunt and Richard Parker, but they made but a feeble and irresolute defense. The two former were shot instantly by Peters, and I felled Parker with a blow on the head from the pump handle which I had brought with me. In the meantime, Augustus seized one of the muskets lying on the floor and shot another mutineer, Wilson, through the breast. There were now but three remaining but by this time they had become aroused from their lethargy and perhaps began to see that a deception had been practised upon them for they fought with great resolution and fury and, for the immense muscular strength of peter's might have ultimately got the better of us these three men were jones Greeley, and absalom hicks jones had thrown augustus to the floor stabbed him in several places along the right arm and would no doubt have soon dispatched him as neither peters nor myself could immediately get rid of our antagonists had it not been for the timely aid of a friend upon whose assistance we surely had never depended this friend was no other than tiger with a low growl he bounded into the cabin at the most critical moment for augustus and throwing himself upon jones pinned him to the floor in an instant my friend however was now too much injured to render us any aid whatever and i was so encumbered with my disguise that i could do but little the dog could not leave his hold upon the throat of jones Peters nevertheless was far more than a match for the two men who remained and would no doubt have dispatched them sooner had it not been for the narrow space in which he had to act and the tremendous lurches of the vessel presently he was enabled to get hold of a heavy stool several of which lay about the floor with this he beat out the brains of greeley as he was in the act of discharging a musket at me, and immediately afterward a roll of the brig throwing him in contact with Hicks. He seized him by the throat, and, by dint of sheer strength, strangled him instantaneously. Thus, in far less time than I have taken to tell it, we found ourselves masters of the brig. The only person of our opponents who was left alive was Richard Parker. This man, it will be remembered, I had knocked down with a blow from the pump handle at the commencement of the attack. He now lay motionless by the door of the shattered stateroom, but upon Peters touching him with his foot, he spoke and entreated for mercy. His head was only slightly cut and otherwise he had received no injury having been merely stoned by the blow he now got up and for the present we secured his hands behind his back the dog was still growling over jones but upon examination we found him completely dead the blood issuing in a stream from a deep wound in the throat inflicted no doubt by the sharp teeth of the animal It was now about one o'clock in the morning, and the wind was still blowing tremendously. The brig evidently laboured much more than usual, and it became absolutely necessary that something should be done with a view of easing her in some measure. At almost every roll to leeward she shipped a sea, several of which came partially down into the cabin during our scuffle the hatchway having been left open by myself when I descended the entire range of bulwarks to larboard had been swept away as well as the caboose together with the jolly boat from the counter the creaking and working of the mainmast too gave indication that it was nearly sprung to make room for more stowage in the afterhole, the heel of this mast had been stepped between decks, a very reprehensible practice occasionally resorted to by ignorant shipbuilders, so that it was imminent danger of working from its step, but to crown all our difficulties we plumbed the well and found no less than seven feet of water leaving the bodies of the crew lying in the cabin we got to work immediately at the pumps parker of course being set at liberty to assist us in the labour augusto's arm was bound up as well as we could effect it and he did what he could but that was not much however we found that we could just manage to keep the leak from gaining upon us by having one pump constantly going as there were only four of us this was severe labour but we endeavoured to keep up our spirits and looked anxiously for daybreak when we hoped to lighten the brig by cutting away the mainmast in this manner we passed a night of terrible anxiety and fatigue and when the day at length broke the gale had neither abated in the least, nor were there any signs of its abating. We now dragged the bodies on deck and threw them overboard. Our next care was to get rid of the mainmast. The necessary preparations having been made, Peters got away the mast, having found axes in the cabin, while the rest of us stood by the stays and land yards as the brig gave a tremendous lee lurch the word was given to cut away the weather land-yards which being done the whole mass of wood and rigging plunged into the sea clear of the brig and without doing any material injury we now found that the vessel did not labor quite as much as before but our situation was still exceedingly precarious and in spite of the utmost exertions we could not gain upon the leak without the aid of both pumps the little assistance which augustus could render us was not really of any importance to add to our distress a heavy sea striking the brig to the windward threw her off several points from the wind and before she could regain her position another broke completely over her and hurled her full upon her beam ends the ballast now shifted in a mass to leeward the stowage had been knocking about perfectly at random for some time and for a few moments we thought nothing could save us from capsizing presently however we partially righted but the ballast still retaining its place to larboard. we lay so much along that it was useless to think of working the pumps which indeed we could not have done much longer in any case as our hands were entirely raw with the excessive labor we had undergone and were bleeding in the most horrible manner contrary to parker's advice we now proceeded to cut away the foremast and at length accomplish it after much difficulty owing to the position in which we lay in going overboard the wreck took with it the bowsprit and left us a complete hulk so far we had had reason to rejoice in the escape of our long boat which had received no damage from any of the huge seas which had come on board but we had not long to congratulate ourselves for the foremast having gone and of course the foresail with it by which the frig had been steadied, every sea now made a complete breach over us, and in five minutes our deck was swept from stern to stern, the longboat and starboard bulwarks torn off, and even the windlass shattered into fragments. It was indeed hardly possible for us to be in a more pitiable condition. At noon, There seemed to be some slight appearance of the gales abating, but in this we were sadly disappointed, for it only lulled for a few minutes, to blow with redoubled fury. About four in the afternoon it was utterly impossible to stand up against the violence of the blast, and, as the night closed in upon us, I had not a shadow of hope that the vessel would hold together until morning by midnight we had settled very deep in the water which was now up to the orlop deck the rudder went soon afterward the sea which tore it away lifting the after portion of the brig entirely from the water against which she thumped in her descent with such a concussion as would be occasioned by going ashore we had all calculated that the rudder would hold its own to the last as it was unusually strong being rigged as i have never seen one rigged either before or since down its main timber there ran a succession of stout iron hooks and others in the same manner down the stern post through these hooks there extended a very thick wrought iron rod the rudder being thus held to the stern post and swinging freely on the rod the tremendous force of the sea which tore it off may be estimated by the fact that the hooks in the stern posts, which ran entirely through it being clinched on the inside were drawn every one of them completely out of the solid wood we had scarcely time to draw breath after the violence of this shock when one of the most tremendous waves i had then ever known Broke right on board of us, sweeping the companionway clear off, bursting in the hatchways and filling every inch of the vessel with water. End of section eight, recording by Gaby Cowan, Kingston, Ontario, Canada.